Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Whiskey Talk from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'm Duncan Gordon. We love to hear directly from our distillers and experience their whiskey. And if you're a member of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, you'll already know that we have regular distillery visit tastings at our members' rooms across the UK. In January, we paid host to Melanie Stanger from Springbank Distillery in Campbelltown, who visited our members' rooms at the Vaults and Leaf to tell us more about this legendary distillery and share a few special drams. She began with a drop of Campbelltown Loch, how it's created, and some of the secrets behind Springbank. Right, well, thank you very much for that very warm welcome. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to start with an apology. Unfortunately, we're not coming full circle and we're not going to be tasting any Springbank 21-year-old tonight. <laughs> uh, but hopefully, nevertheless, uh, you'll enjoy the lovely range uh, of whiskies that we have for you this evening. So you've all been very patient, so we'll just start straight away. So the first one we're going to begin with is, I take it it's on the left-hand side, is that yes, right? Yes. So on your left, it is the lovely Campbelltown Loch. Now, on the label, this is what we call blended malts. Personally, I hate this term, and I really wish we could go back to vatted malt. <laughs> uh, because I think we're all the same, we're very lazy, we just look at the first few letters of a word and then guess the rest. <laughs> so uh, just to say, as I'm sure you know, there are three working distilleries, as already said, in Campbelltown. Uh, but to make it a wee bit quirky, there are actually five single malts distilled in the wee tune. And this is a combination of all of these to make the lovely Campbelltown Loch. So, and I think I'll just pick somebody because I take it we're all sort of loads of whiskey fans here. So who can rhyme off the five single malts? I'll put you in the spot. James. <laughs> yep, Hazelburn. Yep, that's great. Uh, anyone else going to pick up? Fine. Sorry? Kilkerran. Yep, that's right. And Long Row. Perfect. Yep, so these are the lovely five single malts that we've all blended together to make this whiskey. Unfortunately, I can't tell you the breakdown. <laughs> uh, even if you paid me a million pounds, uh, I wouldn't have the answer to this. <laughs> uh, and as you know, uh, at Springbank, it's always a batch process. And so this comes out four times a year. And every single time, it will be a slightly different a combination of casks and for those of you who love to get the same bottling the same batch about five six years ago you would have to have looked at the back at the reverse of the back label and it was somebody's job in the bottling hall with a hand stamp to stamp every single back label so it's a bit like in the old days when you went to the library you had a physical stamp <laughs> Uh, six years ago, though, technology eventually caught up. And uh, below the back label now, you will see laser printed, digitally printed, what we call the batch number. Now, when we got our new machine, which we like to call the Ferrari machine, because it's obviously Italian design, um, it, believe it or not, would actually include the time of the bottling. But that was an issue because I went into the distillery shop and all of one bottle was on the floor because a certain person was wanting to find the bottle which had been filled first of all. <laughs> so we decided that was definitely too much information. <laughs> and so we now literally just have the last two numbers of the year. So like two, four will be start, has just started obviously. And then no bleak. And then whether it's the first operation of the year or maybe anything up to the 300th operation of the year. Uh, so that's how you know you've got the same whiskey. Now, how I enjoy a whiskey, as you know yourself, it's very, very personal. Uh, but the great thing is there's no wrong way of drinking your whiskey. So I'm just going to tell you how I like to drink my whiskey. So in this lovely room, with the glasses lined up as they are, you get to see the lovely colour. And to me, that's the first way I'm going to enjoy my whisky, is just lifting the glass up to eye level and then just moving it around and seeing how all the lighting in this room 
helps to reflect the lovely colour of the whiskies. So I'll just get my glass. That's good, thank you very much. <laughs> and so I mean, this is a lovely amber colour, absolutely gorgeous. And as you all know, this is all natural colour. So there's no caramel <coughs> in this at all. All the colour has come from the casks used for this. Okay. So you look at the lovely colour. Next thing, as I always love to look at this sort of richness, the viscosity of the liquid. So we're really just moving it about in these perfect glasses that we have tonight. And then again, just sort of seeing all the lovely church windows, all the beading and all that lovely oiliness. Because again, none of the whiskies tonight are chill filtered. So they are 100% full fat, full cream version, okay? I know I've probably had enough of that over Christmas and New Year, <laughs> uh, but a bit longer uh, to have that treat. <laughs> and then the next thing I do is just sort of have a nice smell. And again, this is where it gets very individual, <laughs> very, very personal indeed. Uh, for me, I'm getting probably still some Christmas notes coming through, uh, a wee bit of spiciness, sweetness, toffee. Um, Maybe even like a wee bit of sticky toffee pudding uh, as well. And then sort of some seaside tar maybe on the uh, fishing nets. Or just a very, very hint of sweet smoke. Uh, and as I said, the lovely thing is, is that's what I'm, I'm well, I'm nosing at the minute, I'm smelling. Um, but it's very individual, so I'm happy to hear what anyone else is. <laughs> Because uh, someone is telling me it depends where you've grown up uh, when you were sort of learning all your sense of smell. And um, so if you've grown up, grown up in a city, uh, it tends to be like the exhaust fumes and the petrol fumes, I think, probably your first smell that you learn. Uh, whereas if you're from the coast, it'll always be the lovely ozone uh, as we like to go on about in Scotland, uh, what we're very, very proud of. <laughs> And uh, again, sometimes it can be a wee bit difficult uh, for the whiskey to open up, but I really do find just adding these few wee drops of water. Uh, so it's always your teardrops or your raindrops uh, that you're wanting to add. And then again, just a fine sort of agitating the glass a wee bit, uh, and then just allowing all the lovely aromas uh, to be pushed up to the, the top of the glass uh, as well. So while you're enjoying that, I'll just tell you um, a bit of a sad story about somebody who came to Campbelltown. And they actually came to the Ard Shield, which I know is a, a partner bar for the Scottish Milk Whiskey Society. So I'm sure if any of you have been to Campbelltown, uh, you'll have been to the Ard Shield as well. And uh, this gentleman also arrived and also ordered a Springbank 21, which you think is a super start. But unfortunately, Instead of actually doing as we've just done, looking at the colour, uh, oiliness, and then actually eventually tasting it, um, just straight away, he got a Springbank 21, picked up a jug of water, and then started to fill the glass. Now, does anyone have any idea where he stopped? <laughs> yep, right at the very top of the glass. So he was very much drinking water with whiskey <laughs> now the next thing does anybody want to guess the nationality of this person yeah. okay right we'll have i should shoot out a few possibilities uh, who thinks they were scottish Sorry? scottish no. anyone no. okay <laughs> uh english <laughs> okay <laughs> um let's see who else uh german no, no, no. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, American. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it has to be a favourite for a story like this, and you're 100% correct. Yes. As American visitor, we were delighted that he'd come all the way over uh, to Campbelltown and tried a Springbank 21, but we weren't so keen on how, he, uh, how much water he added. Uh, so we're actually there for a work night out, so the poor guy cho chose the wrong day. And uh, so we called him over and we bought another Springbank 21 for him and said, please just try this meat. 
uh, without any water, which to be fair to him, he did. Uh, but after tasting it, he said he still preferred his own version of Springbank 21. <laughs> so we weren't particularly pleased, but at least he tried. And uh, that's all you can ask uh, when somebody's there uh, to enjoy their whiskey. So at least, Melanie, I know now how I get a second glass of Springbank. And and actually, yeah. <laughs> it will only work once, <laughs> I think. Uh, so, I mean, the Campbelltown Loch is quite a new whiskey for us. And uh, the reason it started, I think it's about maybe two, three years ago at the most now, uh, was, as you know, Springbank recently, as in the past five years of an almost 200-year history, um, it has been a victim of its own success. And it had been getting really, really difficult just even by a Springbank 10-year-old. So to try and make sure that everybody could still get and enjoy and drink uh, a Campbelltown whiskey, a Janie Mitchell whiskey um, from Campbelltown, the Hygians, as we like to call them, uh, came up with Campbelltown Loch. And uh, so I would hope now, whenever you go to a specialist whiskey shop, you will mm. see Campbelltown Loch on the shelves. Equally, if you come, if come into a lovely bar, you will know it's a great bar if you can find Campbelltown Loch. And uh, the reason we have it, uh, not yet. <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> you could. And uh, yeah, it was just because obviously for Springbank 10, you have to wait a long time. You have to wait 10 years. And uh, so obviously one way of helping supply is not maturing it for so long. And so the average age of a whiskey in this is about five years old. And uh, it's got mainly coquerin in it. Uh, but obviously, as I said earlier, because it is a genuine Campbelltown, um, you have got the other four single malts combined as well. So you've got the unpeated, your hazel burn, uh, your springbank, your lightly peated, which is obviously coquerin as well and then ending up with our long roll, which is more heavily peated. Uh, but I think you'll agree with me that this is definitely on a, a sweet side for the tasting notes. Um, and also just that very hint suggestion uh, of smoke or for the sort of maritime uh, note as well. So just out of interest, how many of you have tried this before? Campbelltown Loch, that's great. And keep your hand up if you've seen it in a specialist whiskey shop. Great. And also in a specialist bar? Not so many? All right. That's great. Right, thank you. There you go. Good taste. <laughs> so, uh, good question. Uh, I would say probably it will vary. So between 10 to 20 casks uh, in, in a batch. Okay. Can I, you, can I ask you, so you've got the five, so Glen Scotia is one of these? Yes, that's so right. you've got an alliance with Glen Scotia to actually yeah. an agreement with them yeah. at the moment. Yep. So, so with them all, all good friends. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Uh -huh. that's good. Uh, I mean, it's, it's such a small town, uh, you know, yeah. it's in our no, interest uh, to do that. Mm -hmm. Right, that's very interesting. Uh -huh. So it's a genuine... Four, you've got four yourselves. And then you've yes. got one special come in. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you control these batches? Um, I would say to begin with, it sort of tends to be more supply. Uh -huh. So what we have available, um, the proportion will always change, but you will always have uh, whiskey from these five single malts yeah, so uh, all combined. Um, I would say, I mean, obviously we, we talk with one another, um, but uh, this is the only whiskey that we will combine uh, the casks on. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, because Campbelltown Loch, I mean, it's a, a whiskey that we want to get out there. Yeah. And so it's, again, it's sort of everybody on the same coattails, yeah. uh, which really, really works uh, very well. Yeah, that's fine. That's So yes, this is the, the lovely bottle of Campbelltown Loch. And um, I think it's sort of a love it or hate it um, for our labels. Uh, 
Um, you sort of scratch your head as to why is there a seagull <laughs> uh, on a whiskey label? Or as we say in the Northeast, a scurry. <laughs> Which I think is a great way to describe a scavenging seabird. Because <laughs> uh, if any of you have ever been up in places like the Bluetoon, uh, rather than the Wheaton, uh, you will know that you do not mess with the scurries as they like to call them. It's the only place I've been in Scotland where you actually have an additional lid in your wheelie bin because the beaks are so big on the gulls, they could actually <laughs> flip the wheelie bin lids open and uh, hunt round all the rubbish that's been put inside your bin. <laughs> so uh, the man who designs all our labels, uh, believe it or not, draws them all by hand. And then they go to a graphic designer who puts it all in the labels in, in this format. And uh, George is the guy's name. He lives not too far from here. Um, and he really does like birds, as in the feather kind of birds. And um, to such an extent, he loves feeding them. So you can imagine how that goes down with his neighbours. Yep, not well, understatement. <laughs> and, uh, but George, if possible, uh, when he's busy designing our labels, he tries to always add in, uh, regardless of the size, a gull or a seagull or a bird. <laughs> and uh, this one, as you can see, is no exception. Uh, the next question I'm going to ask you is, does anyone have any idea of the age group of George? Now, who thinks he is between 20 to 40? Okay. Uh, 40 to 60? Okay, a few more. Uh, 60 to 80? Right, good. And 80 to 100? Okay. Yep, you're actually correct. <laughs> uh, George, in a couple of years, uh, will be entering his 10th decade. <laughs> uh, so you can see that whiskey does definitely give you a nice long life. <laughs> and uh, George is up, was a very good friend of Mr. Wright, who, as we were saying earlier, unfortunately uh, passed away last year. And, uh, but George um, basically has been designing all our labels um, for about the past 30 or 40 years. And by that, I mean all the Cadenhead labels, uh, everything within the sort of G&E Mitchell stable. So he is a very, very creative, a uh, very gifted man. Uh, but sometimes you can be at all these shows and tastings and the one criticism people will have is for the labels. <laughs> uh, it tends to be either love it or hate it. Uh, but what I like to say is you're never going to drink the packaging. <laughs> so you're just concerned about the flavour of the whiskey in the bottle, which I'm glad to see at Janie Mitchell. The guys do a great job and they know exactly how to produce a lovely whiskey. <laughs> Sorry? Um, I think they just sort of want almost like a, I mean, not this sounds terrible for poor George, but more professional, more modern, maybe more sort of sleek, uh, minimalist, I would say tends to be uh, what comes back. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was over on the other side of the world uh, talking about Campbelltown Loch and I remember sort of scratching my head thinking how am I going to introduce this whiskey and I couldn't believe it when I arrived in the room I was listening to Campbelltown Loch I wish you were whiskey and I could not believe how, pos well, how popular Andy Stewart was <laughs> um, and also just how important well what a big role karaoke's uh, well, this was in Taiwan, uh, was a really, really popular activity. And um, my first uh, music festival um, in Campbelltown, so wind back 10 years ago, is a music festival in the Wee Toon at the end of every August. And uh, that particular year, the distillery had a float, and we went round and round the town, singing in various degrees of tunefulness. Uh, Campbelltown Loch, I wish you were whiskey. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we weren't really that good <laughs> uh, because we haven't been asked back uh, since. But uh, I think it's lovely to think that when you're drinking this whiskey, it's great to find on YouTube uh, all these lovely uh, different versions. Uh, so has anyone got any questions about this? Yeah. 
Yep, so I would say the first couple were definitely sort of paler in colour and probably more vanilla coming through, I would say. Definitely sweeter toffee as well. Um, whereas the more recent ones have been a lot darker. And um, I believe that's because it's mainly sherry casks, but then it's not necessarily a sherry profile on the palate. Um, because to me, there's not really any of the dryness or the spiciness that you would normally sort of associate uh, with the, the sunset sherry matured uh, whiskey. Um, I would say uh, now the guys have sort of, the first few batches they were obviously learning and now they've sort of settled on your sort of darker colour with more, still the sort of um, richness and vanilla and sweetness, uh, but also maybe more um, of the, the toffee notes uh, coming through as well. But uh, as you know, at Spring Bank, as you were saying, it is a batch process. <laughs> and unfortunately, I'm not a wee spy on the wall <laughs> to see what the guys are talking about. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, the next few anyway, are going to still be this sort of average of five years, uh, mainly Kilkerran uh, matured whiskey. Uh, but yeah, but please don't hold me because I haven't got a crystal ball <laughs> uh, for the future. <laughs> yep, I mean, definitely with the, all the Janie Mitchell whiskies, they're all very unique uh, mm -hmm. for that particular bat, uh, batch, but there will be a common thread uh, as well. Thread, yep. They are going to be slightly different. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> nice and different anyway. Uh, do you want a few minutes or are you happy to go on to the second one? Second one? Yeah, perfect. He's only having Yeah, so I'd say this one, again, for lovely colour, it's maybe just a wee tad paler. Um, as you know, the Springbank 15-year-old is the only one in the Springbank stable that is always 100% sherry matured. Now, a few years ago, uh, there were loads of letters of complaints, believe it or not, uh, because the colour of the Springbank 15-year-old was quite pale. And people were saying, well, is this still matured in sherry casks? Because it's that bit paler. Now, lots of other companies that do uniformity would have added caramel to get that darker colour. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We've got all different scales within the industry. However, at Springbank, because it's such a low production, um, and Mr Wright's decision all these years ago was he was going to have as natural whisky as possible. So if that was how the whisky was matured, that was how it's going to be bottled. So very much for these whiskies, yes, use your eye to draw you in, but don't have an idea of what you're going to be tasting. Because as we know, you look at the color and then you look at the nose and sometimes you can think this is a cracking nose and then you're a wee bit disappointed when you actually get to taste it on your lips. And then other times you can be, have no great hopes from this nosing and then it can be an outstanding whiskey on your palate. So the Springbank 15 year old, usually when you're asking people, the Springbank 15 is their favorite one. So I forgot to ask you before we were tasting it, but of the Springbank core products, so the 10, the 12, the 15 and the 18, can you put your hand up please? If the 15 year old Springbank is your favorite one. Oh, well, right, okay. <laughs> I didn't expect that, right? Uh, how about, is it the 12-year-old then for most people? The 12? All right, okay. And then the 10? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the 15, as I said, like usually, well, when I started with the company, uh, I remember having a, a long, long chat with Frank McCarty, who I'm sure quite a few of you have met. And uh, the 15-year-old was actually, and it still is, his favourite Springbank. And I think it's just because he loved the balance in it. You know, he likes the dryness, the spiciness uh, from the lovely sherry casks. And then he just likes the oiliness that comes through uh, as well. So, yeah, we would definitely uh, change this recipe uh, at our peril. <laughs> 
And uh, yep, there's absolutely no way, um, I would say, unless there was an earthquake in Campbelltown, <laughs> uh, this recipe would not be changing, okay? A few years ago, again, this was probably quite a sweet whiskey, very much like your Christmas cake, your marzipan, your almonds coming through. Uh, whereas now, I would say it's more maybe like your barbecue, your beef jerky. There's definitely more meatiness um, to the whiskey that we're getting. Okay. So, yeah, so a mixture of first and second fill sherry casks for this. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, uh, I think for about almost 80% of our sherry casts, excluding those for the sherry series that we'll talk about later, uh, are Oloroso uh, sherry casts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a tiny, tiny uh, percentage of fino. And that's it. Uh, so yeah, so the ABV of this, and also I forgot the Campbelltown law, uh, we're starting at 46. So just a wee tickle to your taste buds. Uh, not too much uh, coming through, not too much dryness anyway uh, on the palate. And obviously all the spring banks we're having are all lightly peated. So the barley is always dried for six hours in the peat smoke and then 30 hours in the hot air. Uh, so we're talking roughly about 12 to 15 uh, ppm. So just very much a, a suggestion um, of the peat smoke coming through. And then I think what we all love about Springbank is its distillation. It likes to be different, as you can see. And uh, yep, two and a half times distilled. Uh, I'm always asked why. And uh, nobody really knows why. Uh, it was just decided all these years ago and they have not changed it at all. Uh, the next question is always, well, how do you do it? And um, so those of you, anyone actually attended whiskey school? Right. <laughs> so I put you in the spot. Do you want to tell us how it's distilled? Half? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Right, very, very briefly, um, so basically after the first distillation, we obviously get our low wines, and then the, this then goes on to be distilled for a second time, and we get our faints. For the final distillation, we mix 20% of the low wine with 80% of the faints. So after the final distillation, some of the liquid has been distilled twice, and some thrice, so we get to an average of being distilled two and a half times. Okay? <laughs> so does that pass from what you remember? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it would. <laughs> ah, right. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> so uh, while you're enjoying this one, I'm just actually looking at the legs here, and you can see that bit quite a lot closer uh, than they were in the, the Campbelltown loch, so even oilier. Um, while you're enjoying this, I'll just say a wee bit about Campbelltown, uh, because I think the town itself is very, very important for all these lovely whiskies that we have today. And uh, those of you who met Mr. Wright will have known he was very, very keen to promote the town. And lots and lots of his decisions weren't necessarily business decisions. It was more for how he could help the wee tune. And uh, Campbelltown is, I usually ask who has visited Campbelltown, but I think in this room tonight, it'll be easier to ask who hasn't. All right, okay. <laughs> right, a few more than I thought. <laughs> Uh, well, Campbelltown um, is very much at the end of the world, and then you turn right, okay? <laughs> uh, just a word of warning, it is a lovely journey, uh, but it takes a heck of a long time, um, and you do just have to take your time, <laughs> because you can stop behind camper vans, timber lorries, <laughs> uh, to name but a few of the lovely obstructions uh, that you meet on our Scottish roads. And uh, I think when you're coming up here, I think one of my favorite viewpoints is actually the rest, uh, which as you know, especially at this time of year, 
isn't often out of the papers uh, because we have keep on having landslides. And so believe it or not, if there's a landslide, the detour you have to make adds an hour onto your journey. And the detour itself is about 60 miles. So yep, it is unfortunately a bit of a bummer, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, nowadays though, we're very lucky. And if you're coming down to visit us, and if you're feeling a wee bit flush, uh, you can actually fly. Uh, there are two flights a day, and it only takes about 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, but I have to say that you have to be a, a good flyer. And by that, I mean somebody who's not anxious, if it's your pilot who does your safety briefing. And also, if when you're sitting in the plane, you can see directly into the cockpit. <laughs> uh, I would say, though, it's not that much of a challenge to land on the runway at Campbelltown, because one of these contradictions, uh, thanks to the Navy SEALs uh, being based at Makrohanish, which is an RAF base until about 2000, uh, there's one of the longest runways in Europe. And uh, people are very proud that it's one of the few places where a space shuttle uh, could actually land <laughs> uh, within Europe. And so you can see there's no issue with a 12-15 seater plane uh, landing on the tarmac at all. <laughs> um, so I've lived in the wee tune um, for about 10 years now. And uh, I actually prefer to call it the Twa Minute Tune because everything is two minutes away. The only thing I would say I really miss is there is no Italian. So whenever I'm away, that's my first port of call is an Italian maestro. <laughs> we have several Chinese, uh, several Indian. And as I like to say, you can only eat in one restaurant at a time. <laughs> so you don't need all these hundreds and hundreds. Uh, although it is lovely when you come to cities like Edinburgh and within two minutes you can definitely travel around the world uh, in all the different types of cuisine uh, that you have here. Okay. Um, I would say, well, obviously there are loads of lovely travel stories that we have. Um, I think my favourite travel story is um, our German importer uh, was coming over for a, a big party, which we have every now and then. And um, he was just travelling from Frankfurt, so you thought that would be a fairly straightforward journey for him. Uh, unfortunately, though, his flight was delayed. So he arrived in Glasgow, hired his car, which obviously he's driving on the, the wrong side of the road, and um, just passed Araker, so just about under an hour into his journey, just saying goodbye to the streetlights and to Joe Carriageway. And he manages to hit the side of the road and get a puncture. So luckily for him, he obviously has a spare tire, does his job another hour into later than he intended, traveling down the road, another two hours down the road, another puncture. But this time, obviously no spare tire, it's dark, no street lights, no mobile phone signal, and starting to rain. But then Peter's luck changed uh, because he managed to thumb a lift from somebody who worked at the distillery who ha happened to be passing. <laughs> so rather than arriving at two o'clock in the morning, which I think he would have ended up, he arrived at midnight. And he was also still lucky because there were still some folk in the hotel and so he was able to get a lovely welcome dram, <laughs> uh, which he deserved very, very much after his rather traumatic uh, journey to, to Campbelltown. Uh, so hopefully, if you haven't visited, if you do come, uh, you will have a more straightforward journey uh, than Peter did. <laughs> uh, but any questions about the Springbank 15? Or... Yep, so we'll just head on to the third one. And this is our lovely Springbank 18. Now, just to say, a wee bit confusing, it's not our most recent release. So this was actually from 2022. Okay. And um, so we'll have some fun and games trying to work out what the maturation is, because when it's not the most recent one, it's interesting to see who's got a good memory and who reads all these product sheets and goes on to whiskey base, etc., to find out the answers. So I mean, straight away, this has got a really complex nose. 
but also lovely and smooth and soft. Sweet, yeah. I mean, I'm not really getting much sort of maritime coming through in this one for me anyway. And then again, your lovely sort of church windows and then again, the nice sort of narrow legs. So, I mean, it's just amazing when you think this has been 18 years minimum uh, in a cask. Now, who thinks we've got some bourbon cask playing a role in this one? Yep, bourbon, okay. And how about some sherry? Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyone think any port? Okay. Or Madeira? Okay. <laughs> I couldn't possibly call it. Uh, and any rum? Yep, okay. So for this one in 2022, there can't have been many interesting casts 22 years before that uh, because it was basically bourbon and sherry. That was what we had. And it was actually 65% bourbon and then 35% of the whiskey was matured in your sherry casks. And I think the Springbank 18 it's what I find just a wee bit frustrating is that on the back, there's not that maturation recipe. And so I think you tend to think, I mean, I did myself, that uh, you think it's 18, so it's always the same. But all, every single year, it's always different. And uh, so it is definitely worthwhile going on to say Whiskey Base or something uh, to see exactly what the, the makeup is uh, of the whiskey because unfortunately, there's not that information on the back here. As you can see, the only information we have in this whiskey is telling you that it may go hazy. And the reason we have this on the back label is because these nice Americans, uh, we had some more letters of complaint from Americans uh, because they were saying that their whiskey was going cloudy because as you know, they love to add ice. And when you think about it, this is a very oily liquid. So obviously when you're adding ice to it and the temperature is dropping off, naturally the liquid, all the fats and oils are going to react. And then the worst thing is, they were actually pouring the whiskey away because they thought it was off. <laughs> so I don't like to think how much whiskey disappeared down the pipes in the States. And uh, so after the number of letters, the decision was made to make it nice and clear on the label and emphasize how natural the, the product is. <laughs> so, I mean, I couldn't believe it a few years ago when for adding water, I saw people were saying if it was Isla Water or Highland or Campbelltown. And um, I think we all know from camping trips, especially when it's quite rural in Scotland, you know there's a lovely brown colour to the water. <laughs> and uh, so you wouldn't really want to add that to your already brown whisky. <laughs> but uh, definitely for some of these whiskies, as I said earlier, adding the few drops of water uh, can definitely just open it up. And as we know, our next one after your food is going to be a cast strength whisky. And definitely sometimes it's just nice adding a bit of water um, to cut down the alcohol sometimes. Because obviously we've all got different palates and so sometimes the cast strength can just have a bit too much edge um, to it as well. So the Springbank 18 comes out once a year. And as we know, just the very nature of Springbank production is very, very limited. But I think where the company has been really good is that the pricing has kept very, very steady. And uh, that was definite from the top down. Mr. Wright was very, very keen that whiskey and Springbank is for drinkers. It's not for investors and collectors. It's very much to be opened, enjoyed. And I mean, one of the lovely things about whiskey is it's such a sociable drink. You know, everybody's different, so it's always something to chat about. And I think as well, Springbank, you know, if you're introduced to it, 
Usually it's by friends such as yourself. So it's a lovely memory to have. The only criticism is obviously the limited stock. Uh, as we were saying with all these angels, um, they do definitely have a healthy uh, thirst, uh, definitely for the, these older whiskies. <laughs> um, but for the 18, hopefully within the next few years, it will become more available. Um, because as I said, well, I've been with the company for 10 years. When I started 10 years ago, the production of Springbank was about 100,000 litres a year. Uh, believe it now, in this coming year, the production is going to be about 200,000 litres a year. So don't get too excited. <laughs> uh, it is obviously double production, uh, but obviously we have to allow it that time to mature. Um, and then we need the nice sort of kindness of the cask as well. So we are getting there. Um, but yep, it's just not going to be, obviously, well, not tomorrow, not five years' time, but uh, yep, definitely after the 200th anniversary. <laughs> yep. Well, we're very proud. About six months ago, uh, we actually passed the 100th employee. Uh, so for the town, it's the largest private employer. And so it's very, very important. And uh, I mean, again, that's all due to Mr. Wright, uh, ensuring that everything, you know, is still in-house. Uh, so as we were saying in the introduction, you know, it's the only distillery where every single stage of production uh, happens from the malting uh, right down to bottling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, we don't have a cat anymore. But for, <laughs> but for a short time, we actually had a distillery pigeon. <laughs> and this is because it was a, a racing pigeon and it kept on coming over from Northern Ireland. And it was returned three times in the rib and it kept on flying back. <laughs> uh, so for a short while, if you're in the still house, you had a cardboard box that had some uh, wee bars cut into it and uh, that was the pigeon's home <laughs> for a few months and then eventually finally it was released back home and it was fine staying in Northern Ireland <laughs> but yeah uh, the distillery yeah not always what you expect <laughs> yeah no sometimes as well when you're going round especially with the barley when it's just put out in the malt floor uh, yep you really um You've got lots of feathered friends in, and uh, definitely it's not a good a good combination. Um, but yep, unfortunately that's what happens. Yeah, I mean the, the malt barns are I mean definitely worthwhile coming down alone to Campbelltown for, uh, because I think there are about five other distilleries to do malt on site, but because they've got such high levels of production, uh, they can only malt maybe about 20, 25 percent of what they need. Um, but because we have that low level of production, it means we can malt everything that we need um, on site. Uh, that does make it very, very special indeed. Yeah. So I think as so well, you've got Highland Park, and then you've got Anila, uh, Lafroig, Cohoman, Beaumore. Sorry? Dunfail. I'm. And Balvenie, yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you, a lot of the newer distilleries uh, will definitely start to malt, but obviously in a very small, uh, small scale. And so we're going to continue with the next uh, three whiskies in the lineup. And so the next one is a real, real treat. It is the most recent release in the Sherry series. And so this is a lovely Palo Cortado. So Springbank, 10 years old, but very, very different from the normal Springbank 10 with the orange S. This one has been matured for six years in bourbon casks and then transferred over to your Palo Cortado casks for four years. So one of the first things I was told when I started working for the company 
is that Springbank doesn't do a finish. <laughs> if you ever mentioned the word finish, you could see Frank's eyebrows descending. Uh, and that was never a good sign. So for Frank, it was always a double maturation. So by that, we're always talking about years in the second type of cask. So that's why for this whole series, we've got obviously last year was just seven years in the bourbon, followed by three years in the PX, the Pedro Jimenez, because as we know, that's a very, very powerful sherry. So the Palo Cortado, not quite as full bodied. So we can allow that an additional year in the sherry cask. And so that's why we've got the six years in bourbon, followed by the four years in the Palo Cortado. A wee word of warning, this is the first cast strength of the evening. So it is 55%, okay? But again, this is, as we all know, this is just a number. So never ever be put off from trying a whiskey. I always say, please try it neat, first of all, and then by all means, add your few <coughs> drops of water as we've been discussing earlier on. So again, I mean, just a lovely, gorgeous natural color, which you'd obviously expect from a, a sherry matured whiskey. And again, just look at all that lovely oiliness. And then on the nose, definitely you know, 100% sherry maturation. For me as well, I'm also getting sort of some fustiness, some of the earthiness. I mean, those of you who've been to Springbank will know we've got quite a few Dunnage warehouses. And I would always recommend when you're in a Dunnage warehouse is closing your eyes and just breathing in. Uh, it is such a lovely smell. And with all the interaction with the casks, you do get it in the whiskies as well. And for this one, it is a real, real treat because unfortunately, when we bottled this, we had less than we hoped and expected. So the angels really, really enjoyed this one. <laughs> so uh, hopefully some of you were able to purchase this <laughs> and enjoy it. Uh, but if not, please do enjoy it this evening. So this is definitely one which uh, merits slange. So slange, everybody. So, yep, so this one, I think I'm right in saying, is about £90. That's a, a, a good guideline. Yep, yeah, it was. Yes, on the primary market, I do have to say that. <laughs> yep. There we go. But, you know, definitely, if anybody had it for Christmas, it was just a lovely one to have and enjoy. Really one that... Uh, Yep, just to enjoy all the complexity uh, with this maturation. I mean, I think I'm right in saying in the back of this as well, just to show how rare, how special it is, uh, there were only 10,200 bottles. And that's the world. So, uh, I mean, I was saying we were saying about the limited production. Uh, one of the reasons Springbank is so limited is because it's actually only made for eight months of the year. Which sounds a lot, <laughs> uh, but that's just about 200,000 litres. Which again, sounds a lot until you think your average distillery is producing about a million and a half litres a year. And then your big boys could be anything up to 10, 15 million. <laughs> so we all make whiskey the same way, but just completely different scales. Yep. Sorry? Uh, 10,200. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, is only three months of the year. So, the guys are eight months at Springbank and then a month between uh, Hazelburn and Longrow and then the rest of the year is Glengyle. I think, I know we're doing that, that's what they're hitting at the minute. Yeah, so they are definitely, inten the intention is to 
you know, eventually have two teams. So there will be, uh, so there will be, it won't, there'll never be 24 seven, but it would be like from 10 o'clock on a Sunday night to two o'clock on a Friday afternoon, which is what it is at the minute when they're making spring bank. Yeah. Again, increasing that capacity, you're actually having to away ahead. Yes, oh yes, very much, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it's a long-term game. Yeah, absolutely. So just when you're enjoying this, I'll just sort of say a wee bit about the sherry and why it's really so special. Now, unfortunately, nobody is drinking sherry, or very, very few people are drinking sherry. When I grew up, that was what my gran had. We went round to hers for a Sunday lunch. Uh, I think that was how she coped with her six grandchildren coming round all at the one time. Uh, unfortunately, that generation is no longer here. And so sherry has really, really dropped off. It can really be quite a challenge to find. But as we can see here, it does give us a lovely style of whiskey. And so luckily for us, almost about 10 years ago, our new distillery manager, had a lovely wee jaunt over to Jerez, uh, found a great bodega, and then started to arrange for the cast to come over. And so the fruit of that is really the sherry series that we're seeing now. But again, just to show how much of a challenge it can be, is that for sherry casks, distilleries are having to be paid for the sherry to be matured in the cask. The sherry is being poured away because sometimes the cask itself is actually worth more than the liquid inside. So I just make a wee plea for if you're struggling to find a birthday or a Christmas present for anybody who is, of course, over 18, please do think of a lovely bottle of sherry. <laughs> because as you see with the sherry series, there are so many different flavour profiles within the sherry casks themselves. And uh, I personally have a very, very soft spot for sherry matured whiskey uh, because as a child, uh, my mum said three children were enough, so we, the only pet we were allowed was a goldfish each. And uh, one time we'd gone on a walk on a Sunday afternoon, come back, and poor wee Goldie the goldfish had jumped out the fish tank and was stuck to my dad's credit card. So it was goldfish or credit card. So what my dad did was he got a spring bank that had been sherry matured, a wee bit of mouth to mouth, a wee drop of whiskey, credit card and goldfish went back into the fish tank. And I'm delighted to say that Goldie came back to life. <laughs> and he led for quite a few other, a number of years. So yeah. So very, very soft spot. <laughs> Uh, within this sherry series, uh, we're going to be having, see, let's see if I can remember this correctly, we've got an Amontillado coming, and then we've got a Fino, and then we're actually ending with a Manzanilla. So it's a really nice variety of the, the sherry cast coming out. And the Palo Cortado is going by nice, nice Google. I learned that the, it starts off as a Fino, which should have a sort of protective layer uh, to mean there's less interaction uh, between the sherry and the environment. But then nobody quite knows why this protective layer disappears. So it starts to interact, so it gets a bit more body than they're wanting with the phenol. And where the Palo Cortado, so like the cross through the line comes from, is that initially the phenol cask will have a horizontal line and then when it is no longer a pheno, they put a diagonal line through the horizontal to mark that it's no longer pheno and it's now become palo cortado. So the cortado is at the cross through the line. So that's where this comes from. <laughs> and um, as well, I think for, for this whiskey, when you're drinking it, I think it's just sort of lovely to remind you sort of how sort of traditional uh, the production is at Springbank. And quite often I like to think, if you think of the most inefficient way to make whiskey and the most expensive way to make whiskey, then you're hitting the nail on the head for production at Springbank. And I think a really, really good way of describing the distillery is as a working museum. 
And uh, a few years ago, uh, one of my colleagues was getting married to uh, a guy from Speyside. So loads of folk from Speyside came down from the wedding. Uh, a lot of them worked in whiskey. They obviously all did a tour of Spring Bank. And the end at the, que at the end, well, the question at the end of every tour was, you don't really make whiskey here, do you? They couldn't believe that what they had seen was still in production and still producing such a lovely uh, range of really, really tasty, oily, uh, full of flavour uh, whiskies. And I think it was a really good reminder to those of us who work in Campbelltown and Springbank that when you see it every day, you just take it for granted. You sort of forget how special um, it is. So it was a really, really good reminder to us just um, how important it is to make sure that it continues doing uh, what it does very, very well. And uh, I think as well, Mr. Wright, who I'll talk about uh, in a wee minute, um, he was definitely very, very important in leaving a, what an unbelievable legacy um, he has. Again, sort of a reminder we had. It's, it seems so sad, but you always, I mean, when people are alive, you tend to take them for granted. It's only when they're no longer with us that you actually find and learn all these stories about him. And uh, we actually had a memorial concert um, in November time. And there were uh, musicians, professional, amateur, who all performed and all had lovely stories about Mr. Wright. And they ranged from uh, musicians in the Scottish Chamber Orchestra, the RSNO, right down to the grassroots, the Campbelltown Brass Band. And what came through was a man with great, great passion, but very, very modest. <laughs> he would actually uh, donate money, only on condition that nobody knew about it, <laughs> uh, which is very, very rare. And I think as well, you actually saw just um, the effect that he had on encouraging people. And within the town, um, obviously because he was 92, he had many, many discussions as to his legacy. And so what's happened now is that all the different layers of management, everybody's just stepped up a level. And so the man who is the ND has now become the chairman. And so that means there's great continuity and everybody knew exactly what to do. And so nothing has changed. So we will always still produce traditional production, traditional whiskey, and always in Campbelltown. And the lovely thing about it is because it is all Campbelltown based, everything stays in Campbelltown. So with Mr. Wright's death, there are still going to be three trusts running the distillery and these trusts are going to ensure that if there are any amateur musicians so if you know anybody who's wanting to get into that field please encourage them to contact the distillery because there is funding out there and there are so many musicians who have been encouraged and uh, as I said it was just lovely at the concert to hear all that raw talent and then to think sort of pinch yourself because you're in a small coastal town of 6,000 people. <laughs> but as I said, it just really, I think, shows the, the man's character. And um, when I started with the distillery, obviously he was very much, you said hello, <laughs> uh, and that was it. Because um, he, he was uh, a very uh, conservative, uh, unassuming, shy, uh, modest person, as I said. But uh, my favorite story of Mr. Wright was um, he learned to drive um, when he was, um, well, involved in the national, his national service. And uh, so the first vehicle he learned to drive was a tank. <laughs> and although he drove a Kia, uh, his driving uh, method was still as though he was driving a tank. <laughs> uh, so when he was in the town, it was definitely safer to walk along the, the road uh, than the pavement. And uh, to show how bad his driving was, uh, he'd had a bit of a bump in his car, so he'd borrowed one of the company cars, and we were sort of running a sweepstake to see how long it would be uh, before we got the phone call. And believe it or not, it was less than 24 hours. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Wright lived in Edinburgh, uh, same address all his life. 
uh, just been reversing the company car and this parking bollard had just appeared overnight. <laughs> so it gave us a very nice V in the, in the bonnet. <laughs> uh, so yes, needless to say, that was the, the story that he was rid with uh, for, for many, many years. <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, I think it's uh, just nice to enjoy this really special whiskey, uh, just thinking about the legacy that he has left. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the next whiskey is our first and only long row. So I know there are some peated fans here. And so one of the explanations that we just don't have enough long row is because it's just made for two weeks of every year. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so in the future, hopefully it will improve. But just at the minute, uh, just all the focus is in Springbank. So I do admit it is unfortunately the poor cousin. But yep, hopefully in the future, it will get up the ladder. So definitely lots of opportunity anyway. Uh, I think it's definitely not as well known. And I think people do still tend to think of peated and automatically go to Isla. Yeah, I know it's, it's a super like stepping stone to Isla is I think a great way of describing it. Yeah. So room for improvement, definitely. <laughs> so that this one here is a very special long row 21. Uh, and unfortunately we're not going to, I think we're after this bottling, we're only going to have one more year. And um, unfortunately the same is going to apply for the long row 18. And then in the next few years, the guys are sort of looking at the, basically what stock we have, and then trying to look at the plan for the future. Because as we all know, whiskey made today is not being drunk tomorrow. <laughs> it's very much the long term. And so, yep, unfortunately, after, well, 21, that was 2003 now, uh, when this whiskey, when next year's whiskey will be made, distilled, uh, yet nobody really knew what the future was going to be and nobody thought this whiskey boom would have continued so long. Um, so unfortunately, yet the 21-year-olds are going to be disappearing for a while. Okay. So straight away, all the gorgeous colour of this, no surprise to hear, it is mainly matured in sherry casks. And then, but of course, we don't want only sherry in this one. We want to balance it a wee bit uh, with some bourbon matured whiskey. So we're talking about the same division as the Spring Bank 18, but reversed. So this time it's 65% sherry and then 35% bourbon in this whiskey. And we're back down to 46%. And again, for bottling, uh, we're talking about 10,000 bottles for the world. So again, you get to see why it's a challenge to find this. And uh, the lovely story about Long Row is, um, as you've gathered through the evening, Mr. Wright is a man who sort of really strength of character, but also loved an argument and loved digging in his heels. And uh, Long Row came into being uh, because he'd actually got chatting to the manager of Lafroy Distillery in the 1970s in the Caddenhead shop. And it became quite a heated argument. And the result of the argument was that Mr. Wright beetled back to Campbelltown to produce an Isla style whiskey. Because the Lafroy manager had said, Campbelltown, you can't produce an Isla style whiskey. So Mr. Wright loved a challenge, so zoomed straight back down and started to make long row. Unfortunately though, it was only made for two years. So if you know anybody who's got long row from 1973 or 1974, get very chummy with them. <laughs> because after that, there was no production until 1990. And then since 1990, it's only been about two weeks per year. And so very, very special indeed. But I think for this, as I said, it's not Isla, as in to me, sometimes it could be almost medicinal. 
This is more sort of like toasted marshmallows on a sausage sizzle by the beach. You know, is that sort of sweetness marshmallows? Uh, it's almost like your smoky uh, vanilla custard creams with all your lovely spiciness and oiliness uh, coming through. It's definitely, there's a lot of finesse. And uh, I think with every single batch, it's so, so different. Uh, and that's just due to, there was no plan. Uh, when they were distilling this, whichever casts were in the filling store, that's what we were they were using. Uh, so it should be about 40 ppm. But as we all know, there's not really much regulation for the ppm. And so this um, just tends to be measured straight after the malting. Um, but also as well, there's been a change in peat. So initially for this, the peat was from Campbelltown. Uh, but the peat, because it's so coastal, it didn't really do a very good job with the peat smoke. And so about 10 years ago, uh, my colleague was at the Inverness Whiskey Festival, got chatting to the guy who actually organised it, who was a farmer, and he offered Grant some peat. Uh, obviously, Grant said, well, how much? <laughs> I'd like to say the first few tractor loads were free and then never looked back. Uh, the peat from Inverness does such a great job now that we actually call it super peat. And uh, just to sort of highlight how sort of physical uh, the whiskey job is when you're producing long row at the distillery, is because this is two days of peat smoke, you're talking about 150 wheelbarrow loads of peat. And you think this peat, obviously to get smoke, we want very, very damp peat because obviously the drier it is, yes, it's great for starting the fire, but it's not going to give as much smoke and much flavor. So 150 wheelbarrows are used to make these lovely whiskies. And then obviously it takes all that time maturing. And again, the angels definitely like all these long low 21s um, because they're so limited. <laughs> so I'll let you enjoy that one as well. Check out the Society's website at smws.com for upcoming events where you can learn more about the whisky world and taste some amazing whiskies for yourself. For more whisky adventures and knowledge, don't miss Unfiltered, the magazine for members of the Scotch Malt Whisky Society, which we publish at the start of every month. Find out more about that, who we are, and what we're all about by visiting smws.com. That's all for this episode of Whisky Talk. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>